Today's scripture comes from Mark 15, reading verses 33 to 39. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who faced, faced him saw what in this way he breathed the last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This is the Word of God. So we continue our series, The Seven Last Words. Last week, Pastor Maria talked about blood relatives in the book of John as Jesus made sure his mother, Mary, was taken care of by John. A family was created there, and today we're talking about the scene at the cross again, but this time in Mark. And we look at the words Jesus said, my God, why? You know, these past few days have, have been weird ones. If you look at the headlines, there seems to be this cloud of darkness lingering over us. Coronavirus or COVID-19 has shut down areas around the world and it's impacting our schools, <clears throat> workplaces, grocery shopping and 401ks. There seems to be a cloud of uncertainty if we all are going to stay healthy. Are we going to have enough? We'll have our best days remain in the past. It really clouds the future. We don't like uncertainty. Sometimes we have other circumstances like we're waiting for someone to be healed because they have cancer. We're waiting for the, our son or daughter to return because they ran away. Or maybe we're waiting on a job. We all experience this time to time, and for some folks, they actually experience this most of the time. We have difficulty, and we ask God, why? Why have you not fixed this? Don't you see that I'm suffering? In today's passage, Jesus is on the cross, and he is asking God, why? Where have you gone? Don't you see I'm suffering? And here are three things that we can remember when we ask God, why? And the first point is, the darkness does not last. The darkness does not last. Verse 33 and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So how dark was this? Well, dark enough that everyone took notice. This darkness represented the human soul. And this also signaled Satan coming, thinking he won. But instead, he got defeated. And that is what I want us to focus on. Jesus' death on the cross won the war. So today, when you see darkness descend, Satan wants to cloud your thinking. 
He wants you to focus your eyes on what's going around you instead of Jesus. But the darkness does not last forever. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So you see, darkness makes your light not see it. It is deceiving. And as February 4th, 2016, Turning Point Daily Devotional, David Jeremiah writes, Imagine walking into a pitch dark room, no windows, no lamps, no shadows, no light of any kind. You light a single candle and you hold it over your head. When your eyes adjust, you can see a bit of what is in the room. Now imagine that same room with five people, with candles, and the overall light is brighter. Then imagine 10 with candles, then 25, maybe 50. At some point, the darkness is overcome by the light. And that is what we need to do at this time. We need to spread light, hope. Maybe we can do it by sharing something with someone that needs something. We need to remember that Jesus is the light, and we believers reflect this light. Matthew five fifteen to 16 says, Neither do people light a lamp and put, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And John eight twelve says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So today, are you feeling the darkness descend on your life? I want you to remember that even though it's difficult in the dark, remember God's goodness. Psalms 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So remember that God is with you. God has a purpose for you in this time. And the reward will last forever, even beyond this life. And I love that song by Mac Brock called Greater Things. And the line that brings me so much comfort says, I will not fear, for you are with me. I'll see this fight from the victory. So remember, the darkness does not last. Take your focus off your fears and on to Jesus. Our best days are coming. God's miracles do not cease. It is ongoing and it's nearby. And it brings me to my next point. God is near. God is near. Verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus is on the cross and he is praying. He is offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He is reciting Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? This is an an intense feeling Jesus had. He was feeling far from God, and he felt the pain 
and the feelings all associated with the betrayal, being deserted, and being on the cross. He was getting the wrath of God on him and paying, suffering for the death that we deserved. You know, a certain little boy greatly missed his father. His father was separated from the family for a long time by military service. But the boy was comforted by a picture of his dad that sat in the frame on his nightstand. When he was frightened at night, he would stare at the picture and imagine his daddy was watching over him while he slept. But one night it did not work. His mother, hearing his weeping, came into his room and asked what was wrong. Through tears, he answered, I want daddy to come out of the frame. Do you need your heavenly father to come out of the frame? We must seek him. And, you know, we can look to, the, to Psalms for guidance. Psalms 6 to 3 says, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Or consider Psalms 13, 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? Or Psalms 90, 13 to 14. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. So there is a pattern here that people are seeking and they don't know when God will answer. So we must continually seek God. He does answer. And most of the time, it's by strengthening us while we wait. So today, are you feeling that you need something to change in a circumstance and it has not changed? Maybe you might not feel joy. You even go to the scriptures, but you still come away discouraged. Maybe you've been praying to God and you're wondering if he hears you. We must continually seek God. You know, I had my share of hard times in my life. And I know, I know some folks who are going through some tough ones right now. Will this difficult, difficult time end soon for us? I don't know. But I know that through it all, that God is with us and working everything for our good. Be a person that desires God because we need him every day. God is near and he's closer than you think. He knows what is against you and he knows what is in you. And you will make it. Stand on that hope. Act like we know that. Make the Lord your focus as the psalmist did in Psalms 34.4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. And that brings me to my last point. Our whys may not be understood at the moment. Our whys may not be understood at the moment. Verses 35 to 38. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait. Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry 
and breathe his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So you have some bystanders watching what's going on, and they're thinking Elijah's going to save Jesus. How many of us with our limited understanding of God's ways try to explain it? That would be like my pet cat trying to explain the computer I work on. Yet we all seem to do that in our lives. We say, God means this, or God means that, or God is doing this because our our understanding is limited. Do we understand the meaning of the veil separating in two? That was so important to what it meant to all of us. In the Old Testament, the veil separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Sin offerings were made against the veil, and entry behind it was permitted only for the high priest to offer sacrifices for himself and the people. The veil was a physical barrier that both represented and enforced the separation from the holy presence of God, and violation of it brought death. When that veil was torn in two, it meant Jesus' death was the final sacrifice needed for our sins. He not only became our Savior, but he became our high priest. It was the new covenant, the new promise. When Audrey and I got married, I remember her face in the veil. She looked beautiful, and I I could see her eyes, but I could not see the color of her eyes. I could see her smile, but I couldn't tell you the color of her lipstick. But once I took her veil off, I could see the greenish color of her eyes in the sunlight. I could see the redness of her lipstick, and I could even kiss her. That is like when this veil is torn in two. We got an intimate relationship with God through our bridegroom, Jesus. It was hard to understand what was going on then. But it was for their good, and it is for our good today. Do you understand why Jesus died for you? Hebrews ten nineteen to 22 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus was that living sacrifice, that curtain to God. He washes clean of our sins and draws us near to God. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, Jesus' death on the cross was necessary for our salvation. And I know sometimes we don't fully understand why things happen. And the crowd at the cross sure didn't either. But God's plan of salvation was for our good. And today, God is using everything that you see around you for your good. You might be surprised at where we are today, or maybe you're in a low place and you're surprised by it. Maybe a job loss. Maybe a love betrayed you. Maybe you're short on money. 
Maybe someone is hurting you and you're trying to get that freedom. But God saw it before you did. God is with you and you are in Christ. God knows what's against you. And you might think that what's against you is bigger, but it's not bigger than God. Consider Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, God knows you by name, and he will not let you fall. He will not let you lack. You will make it. He is with you and in you. In Jesus' name. So, today I close, and I I know we're feeling discouraged and fearful. Maybe we're asking God why. I encourage you to make the Lord your focus. Instead of focusing on what's discouraging you, focus on the Lord. Let His love take over your fear. I close by reading Psalms 91. It's a prayer of God's protection. It says, God is our present helper. I'm going to pray this for God's protection over each one of us. Our church, our homes, workplaces, police, and healthcare workers. If you don't know Jesus, I invite you to to say this prayer. Pray this if you need Jesus. Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you are Lord and invite you to be Lord of my life. Forgiving me of my sins, cleanse me, and please be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, welcome to the family. Now let's pray Psalms 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Amen.